is rising on an emerging generation of kings. All right, let's go. Matthew 28, 1 to 8. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, it's a new dawn in somebody's life. Mary of Magdala, that's Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary came to see the tomb. <laughs> and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards, they shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Somebody shout, He is not here. He here. <laughs> Somebody shout, no, be, no before here. He's not here. Why? He is risen as He said come see the place where the Lord lay and when you've seen him don't keep him to yourself don't keep the good news to yourself go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee there you will see him and behold I have told you so they went out and quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Somebody please look at your neighbor and tell that person this morning is about mega faith. Tell the person all things are possible. Look at the other neighbor who looks nicer or smiles wider or smiles brighter and tell the person it's about mega faith. All things are possible. Say your salvation is proof that all things are possible. Your redemption is a sign that all things are possible. Say the victory of Christ over death is proof positive that all things are possible. Tell that person death couldn't hold him down. Death cannot hold you down. Say sin could not hold him. That addiction can never hold you down. Say disease never held him. Your days of diseases are over. Say I see God doing a new thing in your life. Your mind has been renewed. Your energy has been charged. Your spirit man has been fired up. Your capacity has been enlarged. Your burdens are breaking. The yokes are falling apart. 
there is new light over your life new strength in your body new health in your family history it's the dawning of a new day you will carry your babies you will fulfill your ministry you will fulfill your destiny in the name of Jesus we thank you for resurrection power we thank you for the operation of the Holy Ghost we thank you for the great gift of salvation which is secured by your mighty power demonstrated through the crucifixion the sufferings the passions of the Christ his consummate burial and his eternal reign as a matter of his ascension and victory over death and so father we align our hearts and our minds our thoughts our emotions our reasoning our logic and our philosophies and we lay them down under the influence of your spirit that as your word comes you will breathe on us you will show us what we have never seen before you will reveal to us Jesus the Christ you will cause us to come into a new understanding of who Christ is who Christ is in the heavens who Christ is in us and who we are in Christ we thank you that not only will the words come with power but our lives will respond with faith the investment of your faith in us will cause there to be a total change in all of our lives and at the end of the day souls will be saved hearts will be healed minds will be transformed and our lives will never remain the same again in Jesus name we have prayed amen and amen I need somebody from the sound team to come stand behind so you can hear pardon the speakers are bad okay so we need to fix that all right now uh, if you were to if you were to break this message into three parts not the three points but three parts number one I want to deal with the reason for Jesus is coming the reason for his coming the the reason why we have Christ right number two I want to talk about the regimen of the salvation plan in other words, how he carried out the salvation plan. Number three, we want to look at the responsibility that we have as a result of his coming. And so when we look at the word, we see John chapter 10 verse 10. It says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly so Jesus did not just come to while away time he came to present life in its fullness every prophet that God raised in the Bible everyone that you see whether a prophet or a progenitor of the faith from Abraham to Noah to Isaiah they came with dimensions of life they came with flavors of the Spirit of God if you will but nobody came with the full package like Jesus somebody shout I have the total package he didn't just come with a prophecy he was prophecy fulfilled he didn't just come with power he was power in motion he didn't just come with grace the Bible says it was full of grace and truth he came and then when we begin to go along he says that for this purpose was son of man made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil which means that it's beginning to show us a couple of things that the thief comes so there's the ministry of the thief who comes to steal kill and destroy and then it says that the devil has come to do certain works he has come to do certain give us first john where he says he has come to destroy the works of the devil in other words he's saying that the devil comes to steal to kill and to destroy but jesus has come to destroy the destroyer 
<laughs> so the enemy came to steal, to kill, to destroy. So the ultimate agenda of the devil is destruction. And Jesus said, I came to disgrace the highest thing that the devil can do to you. Oh, I thought somebody's amen was going to be stronger than that. How many of you remember primary school when you used to fight? Let's just be honest. Tell the truth and let the devil be ashamed. If you were the jagumolu of your primary school, if you were the fighter of your primary school, or maybe you're not the fighter, but they used to fight. They beat you after the, the first sec or second time. So he said, let me respect myself. But if you fought in primary school, can you raise your hand? Just don't worry, it's under the blood. Whether it was physical fight or you used rubber band and catapults. Come on. Okay, now someone said, ah, no, no, no. Secondary school, I was gentle. University, I slapped a lecturer. Secondary school, all right. If you fought at any time in your maturation process, sounds like, Pastor, I fought my husband this morning. <laughs> raise your hand. Just, just wave it. Don't worry. Oh, come, come on, come on, yeah. Now, how many of you know that sometimes you want to fight somebody? In your mind, you think that you can actually beat this person. <laughs> By virtue of your canal assessment, you are fully persuaded that you can take this person out. Right? And then, <laughs> the person showed you Pepe. Right? Or, in some other case, what happens is, the opponent looks smaller and all of that, but the person has a friend whose gongularity, gongularity is the Yoruba metric uh, term for height, <laughs> whose height was greater than yours, whose capacity was greater than yours. And so even though you thought you were fighting that opponent, a bigger person came behind that person to take on their battle. Are, are we getting that now? That's a picture of salvation. The Bible says that we were weak in and of ourselves. So we looked like the weaklings or the smaller opponent. And the devil was trying to destroy or defeat us. But we have a big brother in Jesus. Only seven people are great for their big brother. That if we were to look at ourselves in and of ourselves, we are weak. The Bible says we're dead in our trespasses. And so the enemy could have a field day manipulating, harassing, oppressing, insulting, victimizing us. But there is a change that happened. And that change happened with Jesus' coming. So let's look at a couple of scriptures to enrich our understanding this morning. Let's start with Ephesians. We can start with Ephesians 2 verse 1 anyway. Even though we're going to go to chapter 1. Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, You he made alive who were what? Shout aloud. Who were what? Dead. Not dying. Dead. In other words, it's even worse than the scenario I painted because the scenario I painted is still alive to see that they're about to beat you. In the scenario of a fallen man, we were dead. We did not even know we were dead. This is the reason whilst you were clubbing and you were drinking the shayo in the club, you thought that was the life. Oh, come on, somebody talk to me. When you were drinking the alcohol, you had no idea the alcohol was drinking you. What you were calling fun was not funny to your destiny. Why did you think that way? Because you were dead in your trespasses. Therefore, your orientation of enjoyment was completely wrong. Did you ever know somebody in school 
who was like an NFA, what they call NFA, like no future ambition, layabouts, but the person felt like they were living the life on campus until their third extra year. That's how we were. Look at him and say, you're a spiritual layabout. You were. Say, you were. So we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Help us out. And sins, give us verse 2. He made us alive in which he once walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit now walks in the spirit of disobedience. Keep on going. Keep on going. Among whom also... We all conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children that invoked the wrath of God because we were given to the thing that had the wrath of God. So the wrath of God was not directed at people. It was directed at sin. Why? Because sin destroys the people that God loves. The reason God hates sin is because sin destroys the people that he loves. God does not hate the sinner. God hates the sin because the sin destroys him. And so when you think about God's irritability uh, against sin or God's rejection of sin, what has happened is that God is saying, this that is destroying you, this that is defeating you, this that is draining you, but I've come to save you from it. That's why the Bible says in John 3, if you can go there very quickly, John 3 verse 16, most of us know that, but I'm going to, I'm going to aside verse 17. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 is very important. He said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through his son, the world will be saved. In Romans 8, it said, For God commended his love towards us, in that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ did not die for good people. Oh, yeah. In that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for the. It said, In that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Is there anybody who wants to be honest enough to say before Jesus, I, I no try, I, I, was, I was ungodly. I, I did some things I'm not proud of. I went some places I was not proud of. I, I drank some things I, I'm not proud of. I said some things I'm not proud of. The most honest people are in the first five rows, but, but I can't see hands at the back. Is there anybody who can say, before Jesus came, I was so messed up, but thank God for Jesus. He said it, it didn't come to die for those who were good. The demonstration of that love is that he came to save those of us who were sinners. Romans chapter 5, we're going to see something very important in Romans chapter 5. Let's go to verse 17. He explains something to us. Or you can take it from verse 16 actually. The reason for his coming. He said, and the gift. Romans chapter 3 verse 3 says the wages of sin is death, right? Romans 5.16 And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. In other words, this is a gift of righteousness that is transformative. It's not like the consequence of Adam's sin. 
For the judgment which came from one offense or one sin, the sin of Adam, resulted in what? So condemnation does not come from God. If there is anybody here who's dealing with sin or who has not met Jesus Christ or who's struggling with something, that condemnation does not come from God. We just read John 3 verse 17. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn you. Look at your neighbor. Say you are not a bad battery. You are not condemned. Look at your other neighbor. Say you're not an inverter battery. That is no longer working. You are not condemned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. What is justification? Justification is just as if I had never justified. Just as if I had never. In other words, when God looks at Cooper, Cooper, please stand. Thanks for blessing us powerfully this morning. When God come, I'll share. When God looks at the believer, I want to see this. Here is the believer. Okay, uh, you're wearing black, so you're the sinner. You're the sinner. You're the sinner. He's a sinful person. Bad guy. Doing bad, bad things. Sinner. He's drenched in the sweat of sin. He's seen so diligently, he's sweating from it. Job says the man drinks iniquity like water. He's so in tune and in sync with the acts of sin because of the nature of sin. Please notice there are two different things. There are acts of sin and then there's the nature of sin. In Ephesians that we read earlier, it says that we're children of wrath by nature. So if you have the nature of sin, what you do is that you sin. A dog may be well trained. You can actually put a tie on, on the dog. You've seen all those posh dogs. You have a three-piece on the dog. But when the, when the dog wants to communicate, it will still bark. I've ever seen a dog developing an accent. Oh my gosh. I love my owner. I've ever seen that. <laughs> Pardon? Except in animation. I'm saying a real dog. Aja. Bingo. He cannot, so you can dress him up, but you've not changed him up. Morality seeks to change your appearance, but not your nature. Oh, come on now. Jesus said, no, I don't want to deal with just your appearance. I want to deal with your nature. So what happens is, God sends his son into the world, into a sinful world. And then he maintains his purity and integrity when he believes in him. It says, as many as believe, give them the power to become the sons of God. What happens, therefore, it says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. What happens when God is looking is that he's no longer looking at Cooper like this. But because Cooper believes in Jesus, when God is looking at Cooper, who does he see? Who does he see? He does not see the sinner. He sees the savior. As simple as this is, many people still struggle to believe it. Somebody shout, I believe Jesus is the son of God. Shout, I believe Jesus is the replacement for my sin. 
So when I believe in Jesus, now why, how does this apply spiritually? Because in the realm of the spirit, we walk by sight and not by faith. So it's what we see that we believe. In the realm of the spirit, what we believe is what we see. So in the realm of the spirit, faith is what God looks at. God does not look at your works to save you. God looks at your faith to save you. God doesn't look at your works to save you. That's why the sinner was on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus said, Verily, verily, today you will be with me in paradise. He was condemned as a criminal on the cross. But the Bible says because he believed in Jesus that same day, not the next day, not, not the next week, not after his baptism, not after speaking in tongues, not after restitution, not after going to apologize to everybody he's seen against. He said that same day, I don't know who this word is for, but this very day, your eternal destiny is changing, is shifting. That very day, not the next day. He said that same day, there is a change in his life. Glory to God. Now, how does this happen? For God to save Cooper, because Cooper cannot be saved, he's dead. He cannot save himself. He's helpless. He's drowning in the ocean and doesn't know how to swim. Sorry, he's not drowning in the ocean. He's drowning in the ocean with a big rock around his neck. Otilo is gone. Right? It's not even just the rock, it's a mountain of sin. He's sinking. He's sinking at an alarming rate. He's lost it. How do you know that he's sinking? Because he's not even sinning at the pace of his preference. He's sinning faster than he wants to. Oh yeah, some of you remember that when you were in the world. You did not want to keep sleeping around, but you couldn't help it. Oh, can we talk now? Per second sinning. You didn't want to drink, but he said an extra glass. You didn't want to lie, but you lied so much one that the devil said, oh, I've got an idea. You were not in control of it. That's why when you said, I'm going to stop, you stop for a day or two, and then something kicked in. So God says, I'm going to have to save him. How do I save him? Let's go to Romans chapter 10 very quickly. Sorry, can you move a little bit away from the screen? Go to verse 10. Uh, go to verse, let's start from verse 9 actually, or verse 8. Go to verse 8. All right. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. I'll, I'll talk about that. Verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth. Now, that comes, you see. It says that if you confess with your mouth, what, what do you confess? Oh, come on, say it louder. But do you know that what many of us were taught when we were growing up is that we should confess our sin. The sinner was never told to confess his sin. It's the believer that was said, if we confess our sin. Because God does not hear anybody except he first hears him through Jesus. Oh, come on now. Oh, can I talk? In other words, if you are, if you are a, in other words, if you are a sinner, 
God does not want to hear your voice. Because says the prayers of a sinner are what? An abomination unto God. The first thing God wants to hear from anybody is Jesus. After you've confessed Jesus, you can confess other things. Oh, can we talk right now? That's why Paul says, Jesus whom we preach are not ourselves. So the first sound that can get God's attention is not even the sound of remorse. It's the sound of his son. It's the sound of Jesus. It's the sound of righteousness. It's the sound of God help me. It's the sound of Yehoshua. Who is Jesus? Yehoshua was Yehoshua the Lord saves. It's not the sound because if it's confessing your sins, how many of you know that many of them you won't remember? So salvation does not come because you confess your sins because your memory is too short to recollect all of them. Oh, can we talk right now? So when you come to God, he said, let everyone who comes to God believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, when you come to God, your focus is him, not you. Isaiah says, our righteousness are like filthy rags. So if I was to come with my righteousness, now let me, let me ask you a question. If our righteousness are like filthy rags, what do you think our sins are like? Come on, talk to me now. Look at your neighbor, say, confess Jesus. Say, I confess Jesus. That's why when you go to the, to the court of law, say, do you plead guilty or not guilty? <laughs> you know, in the court of law, they'll say, plead guilty or not guilty, depend on the terms of, and the conditions of the case and the nuances. The believer cannot say, I plead guilty. Or the person coming to God cannot say, I plead guilty. Because if you say, I, I plead guilty, you're making God a liar. Because God calls you justified. The believer also cannot plead not guilty. Because there will be accusation from the point of hell. But the believer can plead the blood of Jesus. Because where I didn't have a voice, the blood is speaking for me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The blood is saying I'm washed, I'm justified, I'm righteous, I'm redeemed, I'm raised up, I'm set on the right. Who am I talking to? Who is the blood speaking for? And we know the blood can speak because the Bible says the blood of Abel was crying. It's crying for judgment said the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It does not speak condemnation. It speaks redemption. It does not speak destruction. It speaks wholeness, reformation. It does not speak negativity. It speaks positivity. It does not speak you as the son of your natural father. He says you are the son of God. You are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You are set apart. You hail from God. God is saying you are my Pekin. I'm born you. God is saying you are good when you believe in the Lord Jesus. High five your neighbor and give them a, a palm burning high five and tell them believe in the Lord Jesus. So we're, we're taught confess your sins. No. Confess the Lord Jesus. 
Now, after you are saved and you've missed the mark, that's why it says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with who? The Father. So we have someone who speaks on our behalf. And then it says that if we say we have no righteousness in us, then we are liars. Right? It said, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Are you here, somebody? Verse 9. Verse 9, Romans 10, verse 9. So, but if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has, do you see now? You confess in your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised from the dead. Now, why am I taking time to explain this? Because I'm, I'm going to get happy after a while. But the reason I'm explaining this is so that when you shout, you don't shout on nothing. See, your salvation is not complete just because you believe that Jesus was born. Your salvation is not complete because he said what we call the sinner's prayer. It's not complete because you are remorseful. He said you must believe that God did what? That God did what? Raised him from the dead. And he didn't just raise them to the same level of life where he was. He raised them to the uppermost, to the uttermost. Now for that to happen, verse 10, how can they believe? Verse 10, media help us. For with the heart man believes and with the mouth what happens? Confession is made unto? Are, are we following this? So the heart has to believe and then the mouth confess again not to confess the sin but to confess the savior that is salvation but how can we believe go to verse 11 for the scripture says whoever believes anyone will not be put to shame verse 12 keep going let's just keep going for there is no distinction between jew and greek look at your neighbor and say there's no tribalism in god look at your evil brother and say I love you like that he said don't mind all those rascals running around town we love you we accept you we celebrate you <laughs> either it's cool or not For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. I think they call them Onyo Gadilima. That's good person, better person. Look at an evil person and say Onyo Gadilima. <laughs> I said, whether you're Yoruba or Igbo or you don't even know your tribe or you're mixed. Whether you're Ibibio, Efik, Ishakiri, God, Fulani, wherever you are from, the moment God dips you in the blood of Jesus, he sees only one color. Jesus died, D-I-E-D, -E so that he can have you died, D-Y-E-D. -E Somebody shout, I'm a divine Adire. Say, I'm Adire, I'm soaked in the blood. 
I'm batik, I'm tie and die. He tied my sins and he died as my sin. And then he tied me in his hands and he died me in his blood. I am divinely soaked in the power of the blood. He does not see me through the weaknesses of my past or the failures and the failures. He sees me through the blood of Jesus. If you are Liz, keep on sitting down. If you are George, keep on sitting down. If you are Organza, keep on sitting down. If you are Voyal Lace or Swiss Lace, keep on sitting down. But if you are God designed, God fabricated, dipped in the blood of the Lamb and raised with a new creature, somebody give God praise in the house. How many go to seven people tell them, tied and died? Died and died. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. He said the same Lord is rich unto all. In other words, the grace didn't finish with Noah. The Bible says Noah found grace in his sight, but the grace didn't finish with Noah. Why? He said the same Lord is what? Is what? Is what? In other words, he doesn't just have Hausa people in his cabinets. He doesn't just have Igbo people in his cabinets. Not just full in his cabinet. He says, I chose you as my ecclesia, my legislative arm. I call the black, I call the white, I call the brown, I call the multicolored, I call the bleaching ones too. I called everybody with the green, red, purple, all on the same face of the same vein because it's not about the blood in your vein, it's because I didn't shed my own blood in vain. There's somebody here, God says, whoever you are, the moment you believe in Jesus you have become one with him do you see that Dr. Toby it's good to see you this morning see that oh there are two Dr. Tobys amazing for the same Lord over all is what to who all who who Shabbat somebody shout that name Jesus Let's do a little exercise. When I say shout your name, shout your name. Your own name. Shout your name. Shout your name. Doesn't make a certain sound. Doesn't make a clear sound. Your name did not break any jail. But let's all shout the name of Jesus. Let's all shout the name of Jesus. It breaks yokes, it opens doors, it heals the sick, it raises the dead, it clothes mortality with immortality, it drives out darkness, it brings the dawn of a new day. It is the name above all names. It is the faithless, timeless, eternally relevant name. And it says when you call on that name, you will be saved. Somebody give him praise with a hand clap. see that I'm almost there at the time you want to stand now stand so I can run real quick look at verse 13 verse 13 let's go for whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved as quotes in the Psalms go to verse 14 and then he said in verse 14 how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed so he's showing us a sequence of operations now and how shall they believe 
in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher verse 15 he quotes uh, uh, and says he quotes Isaiah and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace no be war God doesn't say to you I am a war in Daboski <laughs> he was against the things warring against you aka sin death the grave he said who brings glad tidings of good things verse 16 verse 16 but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says Lord who has believed our report verse 17 watch this now so then how does faith come by hearing and by hearing by the word of God so look at this he's unseen this is the Lord Jesus Paul says that he can't call he needs to call for him to be saved but he cannot call except he has heard about him except he believes actually but he cannot believe except he's heard about him he cannot hear about him except a preacher is sent are you following that so salvation is a process and for some of you all of the aspects of, of that process are happening right now i'm a preacher sent with the word so speaking the word faith is rising in your heart so watch this now when you look at salvation people make you feel as though or seem as though that it's the sinner that now decides i'm now tired of sin let me now just give god a chance i remember preaching somebody way back in secondary school and the person said ah, don't worry when i've enjoyed my life later i will now give my life to jesus see what's really happening is that you are actually enjoying your death not your life because you have no life in you jesus said, except you eat my my flesh and drink my blood you have no life in you so he does not know he's dead he's logically in tune but spiritually out of tune so for him to be saved he does not even have faith to be saved so what saves him is that God has to sponsor him with some faith. You know how some in the corporate world, they will ask who's your sponsor for certain levels of promotion or employment. You need somebody in the system that puts in a word. So faith, how does faith come? It comes by hearing and so when God saves you, he's putting in a Oh, come. When you gather with believers, what is happening is that you are in a corporate room where God is putting in a word concerning that situation. A word concerning your healing. A word concerning your salvation. A word concerning your relationships, your family. So what happens is God's mega faith. Somebody say God's mega faith. God takes us mega faith because God is the one who's working in salvation. How do I know? When you go to the book of Corinthians, it said, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So it was God's faith. God encased that faith in the word. How do I know? Because the only way faith comes is by hearing and hearing about the word of God so God says my word my faith is is big it's huge but how do you remember those uh, capsules you take when you're ill you have a capsule yellow and black or red and black and there's powder inside the capsule and you swallow the capsule but what's really changing you is the powder inside so God encapsulates his faith in his word and he gives it to you 
So when you have faith, that faith is he's touching your heart, stirring your heart to believe what he's saying. That's why I said if you hear his word, do not what? Harden your hearts. When you allow that faith of God to have expression in your life, then what happens is, you can call unto him. So here is Jesus now. And this word it says, he said the word of faith which is in your mouth. That means as you've heard the word today and you've received the word today, what is the word? That man is a sinner. God loves man enough to become his sin. He was made sin. Who do you know sin? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When I receive that word, it does not matter what I've done or what my cares and fears are about the future. And I say, God, I believe that Jesus is the son of God in that moment that exchange I showed you earlier it happens immediately and so every time you're going around he is seeing Cooper in Christ you have a new surname. That new surname is not Oluwatoimbo, Olushaye, or Babatunde, or Amaka, or whatever it is. The new surname is Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? How do I mean the last name of Jesus was not Christ? Jesus should have been called Jesus Joseph or something like that. Well, it's called Jesus Christ because Christ is Yesh Hamashiach. Christ is Messiah. Christ is the anointed one's anointed, the one who's anointed to save. So the moment you believe in the Christ, you become a son of the Christ. That means your name is Jadi Christ, Eli Christ, Esther Christ, uh, Jerry P. Christ, Ogo Christ, Shio Christ, Mommy Christ, Uche Christ. Where are the Christ children? Where are the Christ picking? Somebody shout, I'm a child of Christ. Final scripture, I hope. And I go into the text. Mark chapter 11. I want to show you something here. Somebody shout, mega faith. In other words, when you are believing God for something, don't rely on your own faith. Rely on his own faith. What does that mean? Simple. Believe his word. Because his word has his faith. So when I read his word, I'm receiving doses of his faith. Oh, come on now. When I'm chopping wood, I'm chopping faith. And if you don't chop wood, you chop Cain. Because Cain is not able. But God is able to do exceeding abundantly far above all exit so look at neighbor say God is able to do say God is in I'm getting ready to preach high five your neighbor give them a palm burning blister inducing a blood shedding high five why so violent and tell the person say God is able say God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly Fire! give him praise Mark 11 22 he says so Jesus answered and said to them have what can you give me the transition that says have the faith of God I think it's the KJV or so if you can quickly find it. Another one says, have the faith of God. 
have the faith, find it. There's one that says, have the faith of God. I'm going to run for time's sake. Have the faith of God. So having faith in God does not mean, oh, uh, I'm used to solving problems. This is not positive thinking. This is God native thinking. It's not just repetition of affirmation. It's conviction in revelation. It's knowing that what God said exactly. Timothy says, let the faith of who? Come on now. Somebody shout, I have the faith of God. Kenneth Haller said this new year, I have the faith of God. Do you know that the faith of man can fail? He can get tired. He can get weary. He can get overwhelmed. He can get stunted. But if it's the faith of God, even with your tired body, there is something on the inside of you that is saying, your healing is a reality. Your freedom is a reality. Your glory is a reality. He said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Somebody shout yes. He said, have the faith of God. Let it be in you. Verse 23. Let's run, let's run, let's run. Listen to the truth I speak to you. If anyone says to what? This mountain with great faith be thou removed. He said mountain but lift it up and throw it into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen. It will be. Shout it will be. How does God know this? Because this was what God did in salvation. You had a mountain of sin. And God spoke to that mountain of sin. What did, he, what did God speak? The Son, Jesus Christ. Because the Son is the Word. God threw His Word against the mountain of your condemnation. And said, mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. How do I know? Because Psalm says, He has thrown all of our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. So what God is saying in Mark 11 was what He did in salvation. And the enemy, I'm about to close now. The enemy is so dumb, such a dullard, that he didn't realize that if God could throw a mountain of sin into the sea of forgetfulness, what is a stone on a tomb that he can't roll away? Come on now. What is a stone on a tomb that he cannot roll away? Because he already took the mountain of the sin of the world because the Bible says that he shed his blood not only for our salvation, but for the propitiation of the whole world. Uh, if there anybody here who feels my mountain is too big, uh, my weight is too huge, uh, my sinfulness is unpardonable, I tell you, God already threw a stone of the word against your sin. Somebody say your sin has been defeated. That was exactly what happened with David and Goliath. Goliath was a mountain. David threw what? A stone. The prophet says that Jesus Christ is the stone of Israel. God stoned everything negative in your life with Jesus. That's why you're going to see in the final consummation of the age he says there was a mountain and that there was this big thing in the revelation of Daniel and another stone came from 
from the hand of God. And that stone brought down that mountain and then it grew. That's where we see the kingdoms of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and a Lord of his Christ. What I'm saying to somebody is that as we celebrate over the next few minutes, your sin has been judged. Death has been defeated. The grave. In our text, the Bible says that the women, they were going to go and see the tomb. Give us our text, Matthew 20, 28. They were going to see the tomb. What the women wanted to see was the tomb. Was a tomb a place of definition, a place of death, a place of betrayal, a place of the end. What they came to see was the tomb. But what did the angel say? He said, you're not here to see a tomb. You're here to see a womb. Because when God's grace gets into a tomb, he turns it into a womb. When God's grace comes into death, it brings life out of it. When God's grace comes into sin, it brings righteousness in it. When God's grace comes into weakness, it brings strength into it. When God's grace comes into confusion, it brings light into it. Ah, and the Bible says he is not here. He is risen just as he said. Somebody jump on your feet as I close and celebrate God for the risen Savior. Celebrate him for salvation. Celebrate him for salvation. Celebrate him for salvation. Celebrate him for salvation. Celebrate him. Celebrate him. God encases mega faith in words release the word that's why the bible says it sends the word and heal them and did what deliver them from what all their destructions because don't forget a thief comes to steal kill and to destroy but he came to destroy the destruction of the devil god says my faith is responsible for the demolition of your fear that's why the apostles are looking on to jesus the author and the what say jesus is the sponsor of my faith it's not the Nigerian government. It's not the UN. It's not the WHO. WHO is WHO. Who is who? Are we getting there? This morning before we do the other things and just a few more things we want to do. The leaders want to pray for me for being a blessing over the weekend. We're going to take our offerings, celebrate our first timers. But before we do that, if there's anyone here who just saw salvation in a new light, just believed, just heard the full presentation of the gospel, maybe it's your first time, maybe it's your second time, maybe it's even your third, fourth, or fifth time, but you just want to make a fresh commitment to receive this gift of salvation, to have this transformation. So when God looks at you, He's not seeing the guy in Abulimuoleru Grammar School that used to smoke weed and purple leaves. He's seeing Jesus. Don't forget what, what I said. The last part is the responsibility. So he said to them here, he said, go quickly, go and tell people. Why? The way the faith is transmitted is through what? Words. Are you getting there? So God now co-opts the saved person into the supply chain of faith. Where he's now responsible for telling other people, sharing the good news. So share the good news. There's a compelling force. So wherever you are, wherever you are, we're going to give you the privacy of this woman. Let's, let's have our eyes closed, everyone. You want to receive the life of Jesus? 
this morning. And you see the way I'm saying it. You can't give God your life until you receive his life first. So many times when we get to those point, people say, give your life to Jesus. No. You receive his life first. Then later, he will ask for your life. When he said, if you must follow me, carry your cross, lay down your life. But you don't have a life to give him now. You have death. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's what you have now. You have death. But he has the life. It says, God, who's rich in mercy. Wherever you are, just place your hand on your chest. Missions, let's take a look at those people. If this is your first time receiving the life of God, or you're making a fresh commitment to Jesus, you can feel the warmth of His embrace and His glory right now. Father, we thank you for all these hearts. I can see a hand somewhere in front. Missions, share your people around so that you can just identify them. The reason one that identification, number one, is an outward expression of faith. Faith is communicated through words or actions. Faith takes responsibility for identifying itself. Number two, we want to be able to capture your data and your details so that we can minister effectively to you to make sure you're established in your new life in Christ and that you grow and thrive. Everybody, let's say this together. Oh God, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the joy of Jesus for the dawn of a new day we thank you God for another opportunity to receive your grace obtain mercy and find new life in Christ today I acknowledge that in my human nature I am a fallen creature I have sinned and come short of your glory and I, today I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I confess that Jesus is the Savior of my soul. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He is now my big brother. Thank you, Lord, that my sins are forgiven. And my name is written in the book of life. I receive grace and mercy and the impartation of your spirit to live in righteousness walk in justification manifest your holiness and I, when my time on earth is over I will reign with you in your eternal kingdom in Jesus name we've prayed it's okay to clap missions let's make sure that everybody indicated receive hallelujah hallelujah
our salvation. Lord, we proclaim over this house for anyone who has a material need, a mental issue, health challenge. We proclaim that because Jesus Christ was given up for our sakes, that he died, suffered for our sakes, was buried for our sakes, and raised up for our sake. We call that issue sorted now in the name of Jesus. Every mountain, every difficult thing, we command you to come crashing down. We live in strength and health. We live in wholeness with boldness. We stand in authority and audacity. We give you all the praise, our Father. In Jesus' name we prayed. Please clap those hands. Tell your neighbor now all things are possible. Is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.